Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi everyone, uh, it's been a while hasn't it? Uh, it's been about six months since we've done any type of uh, podcast, live show, whatever, but um, these two lovely people called and uh, how could I say no? Um, the, the the hospice, the, the charity that we're going to talk about today uh, is incredibly close to my heart. My best friend, as you all know, passed away there 18 months ago uh, and we did that great raffle where we raised, I think it was almost three grand um but we're back with a with a new idea and a new challenge uh and we really want uh everybody to get involved so i really want to welcome uh sarah and claire from the princess alice hospice in surrey how are we hi sean very good thank you uh claire just give us a quick rundown of what this event is um and where where people can sign up uh before we we sort of get into sort of the meat and bones of, of everything Great. Well, thanks for um, doing this for us, Sean. Um, so Talk the Walk as an event that is taking place on the 9th of April. We're starting off at Isha Rugby Club. We're doing a 10-mile walk that will take us through Hobart um, Hirsch and back to Isha Rugby Club. And when you get back there, you get a pint, a burger, a medal for taking part, and you get to watch a game of rugby with Isha, who've been very generous supporters of the hospice as well. Um, the event is 10 miles. We want it to be a challenge because it is a fundraising event. We want to try and raise 30,000 from this event to help um, support our bereavement services at the hospice. But we've also put on a four mile work walk for some people who feel that 10 miles might be a challenge. So if you had a, an older family member or a less able family member, they can also take part too. But it's the, the whole idea of the event is to have a lot of fun whilst addressing a really, really important subject. And our research shows, which Sarah will talk a little bit more about, that only one in three men access our bereavement services and they feel they have to be tough in times of difficulty in bereavement. And so we put on this event to bring everyone together to say, come on, guys, it's OK to talk about this. You're going to have fun. You're walking together. You're talking together. And you're going to have a great day out whilst you are doing a great thing for a local charity. Um, and I can go into some of the funding issues later on, but we are really, you know, we really need everyone's money. We need them to have fun taking parts. Uh, and Sarah, as, as Claire sort of just touched on there, why why is it important that, that one in three people are only taking up the, the the services that you offer? Why is it important that the people get the help that they need? Um, because I think that it's shown that both men and women both experience the same level of, of grief. Um, the relationships they form in life are no less significant. It's just there is something about accessing services and naming, actually, I need some support that seems to be harder for men. And um, that's that's why we've got to really find a way to start having these conversations so that we can ensure that actually grief um, is acknowledged in everybody and that everybody deserves some sort of support for what they're going through when they lose someone they love. Yeah, everyone, everyone suffers, will suffer from grief. It's, you know, it's a circle of life, isn't it? It's, but why do you think there's such a, 
and we've talked to uh, everyone's the mental health conversation for men has, has certainly moved on in in, the, in recent years. But why do you think it's still that stigma? Are you seeing that it's that it's getting better with, as as sort of time has moved on? Yeah, I I think there are more men seeking therapy um, than ever before, um, and and that I can see with private practice and clinical work. Uh, but at the hospice, we also uh, do a range of activities and group activities. And the men that come along to those peer support activities and meet others and, and are around other people grieving and going through things at the same stage of the grieving process that they're going through really value the lived experience of the others around them. And we see huge um Oh, with you know the relationships that are formed with people, that companionship, that um, support is 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 so helpful. I think for mental health and for um, not carrying it alone, carrying the grief alone. So um, it's it, I you know I think it is improving um, in in some areas, but not in others. How much did the lockdown? situations almost hinder all of the hard work that's sort of been put in beforehand then um i think lockdown has had a huge impact on uh the goodbyes that people wish they would have had with people that they loved it kept us isolated and um you're then alone with your feelings and i think that's something that we are always trying to encourage people uh, to not feel alone with their feelings of distress and sadness and grief and anger and frustration and all of the things that they're carrying silently. When you're then in a situation where you're told, actually, you know, for the good of the country, you've got to stay indoors. Um, you, you can't mix. You can't go out there and see other people. It has a huge impact on on the people in your life. Um so there aren't those moments of of care and of concern and you're not being seen as much. Uh, so it's had a huge impact on people's mental health, um, worryingly so. And we're really seeing the consequences of that at the hospice at this time. Definitely. Uh, and uh, I guess from my own experience, uh, Andy died 18 months ago, September 2020. So it was right in sort of the heart of everything. Um, and it did, it took me about a year to, to even contemplate talking to somebody else. Uh, mm -hmm. It took my wife to, to, to notice everything that's sort of been building up and building up and, you know, bottling everything up for, for a year, uh, to get to the point where I had to go and talk to somebody. And actually it was probably the best decision I've ever made because I sleep with a clear head. I um i don't have the i have the happy memories rather than the uh how, how do you put it um anger all the different stages i guess anger and uh, and whatever um and you know, not having that goodbye as such so yeah it, it, you know, it, it took it took me about a year to and you know we're six months in and it's an every two week thing and no, I'm probably happier than ever have been for a long time. So I know how important it is to have those sort of conversations and and um, 
yeah, I just yeah, I want people to get involved in this. Uh, and Claire, tell us about the sort of the impact that I guess the COVID had on on the hospice itself uh, and the charity yeah. side of it. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So um, the hospice itself, I mean, we continued operating during COVID. We had um, minimal numbers of patients, but obviously there were lots of other challenges that our clinical staff had in terms of caring for people with lack of PPE. And in fact, we had a there was a great um, piece on Newsnight about the hospice, which anyone could have a look at just to see how it really impacted on it. But you know, I think the in terms of things from my point of view, the fundraising, we, you know, some people sort of changed their fundraising and decided to support other charities during lockdown. So that had a really big impact on community and events fundraising. And as a small, um, as a local hospice, I mean, we, you know, we care for people in a 600 square mile area. So it's a huge area. You know, we have around a thousand people at any one time that we're caring for. We look after about around 80% of the people we look after are actually looked after in their homes or in care homes. So not actually based at the hospice, although we do have an inpatient unit. But, you know, the impact is huge. And, you know, as you've mentioned, your friend Andy was very young. I think our youngest patients are 18. Um, and we got to delivering care to people that are 107 years old as well. So there's a lot of people here that need our care. And I think the other thing that I think is really important, and obviously what we're talking about bereavement, it's not just the end of life care that our nurses and doctors and therapists are so excellent at delivering, but it's looking after the friends and the family and those that are affected by such tragic situations and looking at them afterwards. And I think in last, last year they delivered something like you know, just under 600 patient and family, no, sorry, 6,000 patient and family support sessions. So that just shows really how it's not just the clinical medical side of things that's so important. And I think delivering our bereavement services costs something like 327,000 a year. Um, the hospice take costs 10.1 to deliver its care of a year. We only get around 24% funding from the NHS. So the rest of that money does come from our income with a community. Um, legacies, lottery, retail, gifts and wills, uh, lots of things like that. But actually the community fundraising is really important because for an event like this, it's bringing people together and it's giving people the opportunity to physically do something, to pay something back or to make them feel they're making a difference. And maybe, you know, sometimes atoning for something. Sometimes it's just about wanting to give back. Sometimes it's just about being active. So something like a walk is so positive on many levels. It brings people together. They share their experience and they're doing something physically, which is also, as we know, good for mental health, as well as raising funds, which gives people some sort of sense of purpose I think and if they can do something that in memory of someone they've lost and loved I think it gives a great sense of well-being as well so um, yes it's, it's really crucial the community support. Absolutely and for Sarah your point of view how important is it that people get the get the help that they need? Um, it's <laughs> God, it's life-giving, um, is what I would say, that people get the support that they need. Um, it's finding uh, meaning in life again, often for people who've been through so much trauma. Um, the, you know, we have uh, people you know, who I've spoken to in the last few weeks who uh, have lost the closest person to them in their life. And they're thinking, I don't know how I, you know, how I move and get through life now at this point. And that's where they're at. But this sense of actually 
people then joining our early bereavement cafes where they meet others who are saying, actually, I feel similar to you. Um, I may have had a very different relationship with that person, but actually I, I hear you and I can hear what you're saying. Because if you've not been through that experience, it can feel, Terry could feel really overwhelmed by hearing someone say that. Whereas uh, actually, if you've gone through grief in a really significant level, you can understand the depths of despair that people go through. And so if you start making connections in the community, we have our community bereavement cafes, which are run across our care area where people can drop in and they can meet others and have a cup of tea and, and sit down and, and they don't need to talk. They can just listen to others' experiences and that's helpful too. Um, the walk and talks, we do bereavement walk and talks and they're a great success at the hospice. Uh, closed groups with about six people where people feel able to open up sometimes a bit more in a smaller group can be helpful. There are all these things where we want to tailor our care to be as individual as possible, but that isn't possible without um, having the sort of funding in place to help put on different events. And something mm -hmm. like the um, event we're talking about today is really helpful because actually it's appealing to uh, men in a different way, <laughs> you yeah. know, and women, <laughs> if they're rugby <laughs> fans. Yeah. You know, who, it, it, we've, we want the variety there because actually that may be the one thing that that person goes, do you know what, I could go along to that. I can go yeah. and watch a rugby match alongside a load of people who love rugby and feel like I'm not alone when we're all there for the reason that we've actually all experienced grief in some way. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, one of the questions we've had is why we be aiming this towards men. And the very reason we are is because we want to make them feel connected and we want them, we want to find a way of bringing them in to support the hospice, to be together and to have that space to talk to each other. And a lot of sort of fundraising events does tend to be quite a female dominance. So this was an event very much going out. We want you guys there shoulder to shoulder, you know, having fun, but doing something good. And I think one of the other things that, you know, when people have spoken about men in grief is that how, you know, they're, they're afraid to be, you, you know, they want to sort of be masculine, a man up. And actually, one of the things that's really struck me, just reaching out to people, and if you go onto our website and look at the videos that we've had, is how so many guys have come forward and started talking about how they feel because we've given them talk the walk as, an, as, as a reason to talk about it. And there are some people that recorded videos for us and spent the whole time crying, which to me I thought was a real privilege that they were prepared to open up to us like that. And they said how much they really needed something like this because in some ways, other ways, they couldn't find the right way to, to give back what they felt they'd got from the hospice for their loved one. So, uh, you know, it's, hopefully this is... This is why it does appeal to people. As we say, it's women too. I mean, we all love rugby. Um, you know, it's for everyone. But we do want to give the men the chance to talk. Definitely. And so let's talk about let's talk about sort of the rugby side of it. Seasons are coming to an end, people. Let's you know a lot of people's seasons even finished this week. So why wouldn't you get the team, your teammates together, including three bloody good things? You go for a walk and you talk to talk to your mates about things. And this week, having signed up myself and 
put out publicly that I was seeking therapy. I've never had so many mm. messages and, and, and um, so much support over the last week from people that I haven't heard from for a long time and that people want to sign up too. So, you know, reconnect with your mates and your teammates and you know maybe you'll get to learn something about each other you may not have learned while you're playing on the pitch yeah do the walk yeah. go and have a beer at the end of it have a burger and watch a bloody good game of rugby and raise a lot of cash for for a great charity and a great cause uh and you you might just you know it might just be the thing that you need to go and uh, and, and get some stuff off your chest that you you may not have even realized that it was there so uh, come come and do it. I'm going to be there. Hopefully there's going to be quite a few of us there um, as well. Come and raise a few quid. Watch a game of rugby. Like You're going to do it anyway. You're going to go and yeah. watch a game of rugby. So why not come and watch this game of rugby uh, and we'll all walk there together? Absolutely. There's something yeah. very therapeutic as well in just turning up and saying your loved one's name. Yes. You don't need to say yeah. any more than that. And just coming there, being around others yeah. and saying their name. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you'll get a free T-shirt when you sign up or on the day. And we have in memory bibs. And so a lot of people like to write the name of their loved one on. And I know certainly it's very inspiring for people and walking along and reading somebody's name on the back and very moving. So, you know, we encourage you all as you join in your teams in memory of your friends or Andy and other people that we've lost to, to do that, to really kind of, you know, memorial, can't say that word, memorialise them in a really positive way. And, you know, have fun, laugh about them. As you say, Sean, it's nice that you're finding some good memories and this is a time to talk about happy memories with, with people in sad situations. Oh, some of my best memories with, with Andy were having a beer, eating a burger and watching a rugby yeah. match. So <laughs> it's, the, it's the three the three things that we did quite Absolutely. regularly. So it's a magic combo. It is, it is. Um, yeah, so where can they good. find out more about the, the uh, event? Um, so if you search um, Princess Alice Hospice Talk the Walk, that should bring us straight to the web page. Um, I know you've put a lot of links to a lot of your stuff as well, Sean, so thank you for that. Um, the other thing just to say as well, if you didn't feel that you could take part in the sponsored walk, we need lots of volunteers to help make sure that the walk is goes um, safely and, uh, and well for our supporters. So if that was something you didn't feel you wanted to take part in that, but would like to give something back and just turn up on the day, help marshal people, we're looking for lively people who might do a little wiggle, a little jig whilst they're cheering people on. You know, we want to make this a brilliant day out for everyone. So any way you can help. If you just wanted to donate to Talk the Walk, um, you can sponsor uh, um, Sean. Sean, you can put your Good Just Living page up. Yeah, and I'll, can, put, I'll, I'll make sure that's all Yeah, sponsor that. But um, it'd be lovely to take part. And uh, even if there's something else you wanted to do for us, like run the marathon after you've done your 10 miles, we're taking marathon <laughs> applications too. But I think a 10-mile walk with a game of rugby and a beer and a burger is by far the most pleasant and fun way you can look to fundraise for an absolutely amazing local cause. There we go. I think that's a perfect <laughs> way to a perfect way to end on. Um, uh, we'll put all the links and everything into all the descriptions and all the bios. And if you head to uh, fybrugby.com, all the information is also there. Um, we'll keep pumping it out because you know, we want to see more of you on there. Um, yeah, maybe we'll do a podcast afterwards. Uh, and yeah, we'll sort of chat up and we'll, we'll, we'll great. Maybe maybe we'll do some stuff along the route as well. That might be that's fun. a great idea. Uh, we'll, That'd we'll, be great. We'll, yeah, we'll we'll, uh, we'll get the camera out and we'll we'll film some stuff as we walk along. Um, but it's been an absolute pleasure, Claire, Sarah. Um, I look forward to seeing you on the 9th of April. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
Brilliant. Thank you very much, Sean. We really Thank appreciate you, it. And to all your Feel Your Boots fans and everyone, please get on board. We need you. We want you. Shoulder to shoulder. Well, I don't want to sing that after Friday, Saturday's game. Oh, oh, no. My dad's Irish, so... I've had so my mum was as well, but still. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Anyway, thanks so much. Take care, everybody. Cheers. Thanks, Sean. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.